0: It's easy, breezy, beautiful, awesome cast. Folks, welcome back to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. A Spotify original. As long as you're listening on Spotify, you don't know the difference. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin.
1: And I'm Dylan.
0: And that's us. Also, everyone else, do not tell the folks listening on Spotify that we are not a Spotify original. They'll feel really hurt. They think it's really awesome that it's special, but. You know, you can, however, follow us on Spotify. That would be cool. Or give us all the good reviews on like the apples and podcasts and things. Just saying, folks, it'd be be really nice, really helpful. Also, I've actually started listening to a couple of Spotify original podcasts. They're like, hey, we're a Spotify original. I'm like, man, well, I'm not. a, am an awesome cast original. <laughs> How are y'all doing today? Pretty uh, good. I'm all All right even if every day is ten years long it's it's yeah I'm going I mean it's crazy in my brain to realize that the anime we're talking about in the main segment was January and it does not feel like this is the same year this anime came out in
2: yeah and no. unless uh, not not to spoil anything but unless any of the currently running anime really blow my doors off this is probably my favorite anime of the year <laughs> uh
0: I I have, yeah, I mean, I've got hopes for (laughs) Hypnosis Mike. I mean, that anime is uh, awesome in many, many senses, but... I feel like I should
2: like that so much more than I do, and I'm so in for really dumb musical anime concepts, and I just can't get into it for some reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Folks, I'm not sure when this episode's going to go out, but if you have a chance to vote
2: or you know if it's after we hope
0: you voted (laughs) we were really counting on you (laughs) especially if you sucked it up and voted for biden look it's
2: it's not a cure it's triage (laughs) but you gotta do what you need to to save the
0: patient in case you haven't figured it out folks we're a bunch of liberal lefties by and large so you've already started listening so i assume you're in for that
2: Yeah, I mean, if
0: if this is your first episode, we're a bunch of liberal lefties. (laughs) Frankly, the Democrats are too far right. Anyways. Yeah. Well, most of them, anyways. It's true. It's true. All right, let's get into the stuff people actually want to hear about. Moments of awesome. It's a
2: moment of awesome.
0: Kevin, what's been awesome in your life that, you know, is helping keep... The 2020 at bay. Well, since I never leave the house, uh, except to go to work. Um,
2: <laughs> I, I just recently finally broke down and watched season two of The Boys on Amazon Prime. That's. Uh, I think I actually liked it a lot better than the first season. It, it, it has the tragic problem of being a, if superheroes were real, I'd bet they'd be assholes or evil show. Which is... With a couple of exceptions aside, I don't really like the genre. On the other hand, it stars Carl Urban and a a large ensemble cast who are all pretty amazing actors. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I I felt like the second season got grayer in some of the character morality, which for several characters actually made them more likable because grayer meant they were arguably more good. (laughs) But uh, pretty high production values. The superhero action when it happens is really cool. And one quote unquote superhero plays a really good game of secret Hitler.
1: Like actual, like the actual game or well, metaphorical?
2: The metaphorical. Like I actually sort of want more oh, people no. to watch it. Cause I, I, I think either you're going to go, Oh, that's the Nazi. Or it'll be a complete mystery till the very end of the se- season. <laughs> And it really depends on how much you know about neo nazi organizations and how the alt right interacts with in a public way <laughs> like it might be super obvious or you're gonna just be like, "Oh snap <laughs> and i don't I'm curious how many people would go one way or the other
1: i'm I'm scared this this almost sounds like it's for people who are extremely online like it's doom scrolling
2: a little bit i right. uh, There's some parts of it that were very cathartic, though. (laughs) Like I said, I actually found it a little... I weirdly found it a little more upbeat than the first season of the show. And, I don't know, I'm a sucker for Carl Urban. Like, you know, whether it's him being Julius Caesar on Xeno or (laughs) in Lord of the Rings or, you know, just popping up in a dozen, like, semi-good movies and even semi-bad movies, you know. It's like, oh, hey, it's Carl Urban. I kind of love this now. But uh, I don't know. It was a fun. I found it a fun time. I'm now going to move on to uh, season two of the Umbrella Academy, which I hope is as inter- entertaining as the first season of that was. But I, I haven't gotten into that very far yet.
0: <laughs> I I really enjoyed the second season of Umbrella Cap- Academy. It was it was a good time.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's more
2: dysfunctional family who are also superheroes, <laughs> which I count
0: as a different genre. <laughs> that. That makes sense. I think the two of those actually came out around the same time. Yeah. They were just
2: kind of sitting there, and I'm like, man, I should probably watch this. Because, you know, even though I'm here at home and nowhere else except work, sometimes I'm just like, eh, staring into the void. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it's that. Like, I should do more things, productive or not. I should not just be staring into the void. Let's watch a couple movies and TV shows I'm meaning to watch.
0: <laughs> nice. All right, Dylan, what void are you've been staring into lately?
1: Actually, I've been staring into Animal Crossing a lot uh, lately because I got it as my as a birthday gift a few weeks ago. You guys already did a podcast on that, so I'm I'm not <clears throat> not necessarily going to use that as my moment of awesome. I'm going to go back to my my backlog of stuff i want to yammer about on the podcast and um pull out chirabako which i'm probably going to be comparing isekan to because it's mm-hmm. about a group of students who have an anime club in high school they make kind of this first anime project and they they decide you know one day they're going to get together and once they all have careers, do like a real feature link version of this, and then what happens is they all go out into the workplace, and some of them, some of them become two D artists, some of them become three D artists. There's one that is struggling to become a voice actor, and then you follow the character who becomes a production assistant, and whereas like Isaacin is very very much about the art this is more about like the people and the social dynamics around that it reminded me a lot of when I first got out of college and you know a few years out like people are in different places in their life and it's it's kind of weird and you know like the main character she's this production assistant who is kind of caught between You know, caught towards the end of uh, end of the uh, production process, and she's getting getting handed expectations from both sides, and having to learn how to kind of juggle that, which is really interesting because it like one of the big struggles is she kind of has to learn how to say no. But it's a pretty quick watch. It's uh, it's really interesting. I think if you worked in like an office environment, especially. Like, I worked at a web design company right out of, right out of college, and, and this really took me back, <laughs> so.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember watching, Shirobako's a really, really fun time. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that Eizekin also lives in sort of a similar space, like, Shirobako, also a uh, animation runner Kuromi. There have been all sorts of things, that you know, anime about creating anime. anime. Oh, and... Or
1: really? Really, in this case, like just doing any sort of creative work, like you're you're gonna you're gonna relate to to this if you've done it professionally.
0: Oh yeah, like I, I feel Asa can really really you know not to spoil the you know what we're talking about pretty soon. I really feel carrot catchers like the heart of the creative in a lot of respects, and also sort of digs in deep onto the how you'd want to make animation, how the animation works, how animation is good, how it all sort of works together, also in the whole storytelling side of anime. Where Shurabako is after you sort of know that it's where the rubber, literally in the cases of that show sometimes, hits the road, and how does the group actually, you know, get it done. It's definitely, I feel, a too verily... They're similar sides, but still different sides of, of, of the same coin. Like I feel watching both shows can only enrich you as a person.
1: Yeah. Like there's not a better or worse comparison there. They're just coming at it from different angles at different places in life. And you are right. Like the, the literally the rubber literally meeting the road. There's a bunch of like well animated 3d like, car stunt segments throughout as they're <laughs> kind of racing between locations to, to hand off work.
0: Yeah. Sure. Baco is a fun show. <laughs> it absolutely is. And also has some great, you know, ono drops as it were. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. I forgot. Like they reference real animation studios, but you know, it's always with the, the serial numbers filed off. It's always a, a yeah. parody. And yeah, as I like a that it was
2: about the the mechanics of how it gets done. Not necessarily how the animation is made, but how it all comes together to get from, you know, onto the TV. Yeah,
1: like this is... Isaacan is how you get started. This is how you continue doing it day in and day out.
0: Meanwhile, what I've been doing day in and day out is in playing this Nintendo video game for the Switch called... Super Mario Brothers thirty-five. Oh god. <laughs> and it is I awesome. I love it so much. <laughs> so it is Battle Royale Mario in that in the same vein that Tetris ninety nine is Battle Royale Tetris. Where you are playing where thirty-five folks, including you, are playing Super Mario Brothers at the same time, but in your own bespoke levels. However, as you are killing enemies... A, it adds to your timer... Because everyone has a timer... And if your timer goes down, you die. B, it will send enemies to either a random person... Or a person, if you selected... Will have the most coins... Or who's killing the most enemies. And so there's sort of strategic thing of... A, you've got to play Mario pretty well... But you also got to know what to send to folks. Also how to play the levels such that you don't get overwhelmed. And it's been a really, really fun thing to try and do. I try to get in first place at least once a day. I don't always do that. Many times I'm in the top five. Sometimes I'm number 18 because I completely missed a jump when I shouldn't have the big dummy that I am. Bad Basil, don't do that next time. But, more often than not, I do get at least one first place win a day.
2: Is it weird my thought relation to this is, man, we
0: need to remake The Wizard. Uh, No, no, it's, 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 it's not. Although, now I'm thinking about the actual Nintendo World Championships, which was a completely different thing. Where you had to collect 100 coins in Mario, then finish the first level of Rad Racer, then play Tetris until the time runs out. And really, what you really wanted to do was get through Mario 100 coins as fast as you can, burn through Rad Racer, and just rack up as much points of Tetris as you possibly could. And that was the actual hard part. Whereas this is all about playing Mario. And I do feel the trick is, it's not special. Speed running Mario. I think if you try speed running Mario, you're just going to screw yourself over. It's actually much better if you take it a little bit slow, at least at first. What I do is I go through the first one because usually you always start at one one, and then the level assortment afterwards will be somewhat influenced by the levels that people have voted on that they've unlocked. Or maybe it just might be random. I don't know. But chances are, you're always going to start in 1-1. One, one. And what I usually do is, I won't like be extra slow, but I'll take it on a slower pace. I will make sure to stomp on enemies, because you get more, points that w- uh, more time points that way. If you just lay waste to everything with fireballs, you only get a second per kill. Whereas if you stomp, you start at 2 seconds per kill, And if you can chain it, you can get up to like 4 seconds per kill. Same thing if you get like an invincibility star. So you don't want to just railroad everything with fireballs. You'll run out of time faster that way. Also, the more enemies I kill on my route through 1-1, the more enemies that can come back to me. Which I want once I get that invincibility star in 1-1. So that way I can rack up as much time as I possibly can. Because that's what the real trick is, making sure you don't run out of time. But, as you're killing enemies and you're moving on through later levels, next thing you know, there might be, I don't know, five Hammer Brothers on the screen. <laughs> maybe. That's four too many Hammer Brothers. <laughs> maybe four or five Bowsers. Maybe also some Lakitus throwing, I don't know, ten spinies, And then there's like 20 Bullet Bills at once. So, there's an element of strategy to this, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. And there are times where you also, as you gain coins, you can spend 20 coins on a random power-up. Maybe it's a mushroom. Maybe it's a fire flower. Maybe it's an invincibility star. Roll the dice. See what happens. (laughs) Or maybe a power block, which will just kill everything on the screen. And there are some times where it's like me and three other people... Suddenly, the timer goes red, which means it's going down fast. And there's a bunch of enemies on screen. And I'm just roll- I'm just spending those coins as I'm busting my butt through the level, hoping to God I get either a power block or an invincibility star. <laughs> and yeah. that's when you feel the pressure. And that's when you jump off the ledge. Where you totally would have had it if you just kept your cool.
1: Yeah, I feel like my approach to playing this was one, use a controller because that gives you the muscle memory and you don't have like some of the weird angles of, of holding the switch and trying to do detailed jumps. Get fiery because while it is worth more to stomp on enemies, you can just mow down a whole bunch if you need to. And if you have 20 coins, you can get fiery again one way or the other.
0: It's true, and even if you don't get fire, you just get the mushroom again. That at least will add on that extra fifteen seconds of time.
1: Yeah, or, or you know, if it, if you get one of the other items, you will probably that will probably help you get to the next fire flower in the level. But yeah, like I, I think if you played Mario as a kid, like actually in the eighties or nineties, like this is this is definitely going to be in your wheelhouse because uh, you probably put in a lot of hours just specifically on that game.
0: And, and folks, I'm not the best Mario player there is. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest with you. I play Mario sometimes just on the Nintendo Switch Online, and I die a lot. A lot. Has playing this game made me any better at Mario? Also, apparently, no. <laughs> I still die a lot. But another tip is to always... You use the right analog stick to choose how you which what you want to send enemies your way to, like whether they have the most time or attackers, what always just select attackers. Just Yeah. Always select attackers. There's something where like that I think will also give you the chance to get the enemies sitting back to you and you actually want that because you want more enemies to kill such that you get more time on the clock. And speaking of folks that are always on a timer because deadlines always loom for that poor field club. We're talking about Masaki Iwasa's take on the manga by Sumito Awara. Keep your hands off Azakin. So, there's this guy named Masaki Uwasa. You may have heard about him because, well, we've talked about him.
2: Yeah, we, we seem to be a, a creator we come back to fairly frequently.
0: It's, I mean, he's a good creator. He makes very good shows. I I can't think of a show of, his, any show of his that I have watched that I haven't liked at least a pretty good bit, if not a lot of bit. Yep.
2: Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of jumped on the train on uh, Devilman Crybaby, but uh, I've like been, realized I, I was missing out <laughs> by not watching some of his other stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, no, he, is, he has made some great stuff. I mean, we have talked about things like Riger Wave and the Night is Short Walk On Girl with our buddies over at Third Impact Anime. And there have been several things we've talked about, Yuasa, on the podcast. Like, for example, very recently, I say recently in the first half of 2020, Riger Wave came out, which was very good. Last year, we talked about the night is short walk on girl with third impact anime over during HammerCon. But he's also done other really good things like the Atomic Galaxy and Kaiba and Kick Heart. I am positive at some point in our lives we've talked about these in moments of awesomes. We've had to. Yuwasa's a very, 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 very good. The only thing of his that I haven't really watched yet that I need to is Japan Sinks, but I. Don't think I have the mental fortitude to watch that right now.
2: Yeah, that is sadly the only, also the reason I haven't watched it. I feel like it might, I've just taken a wild guess. It might be a little bit of a downer, at least
0: some of the time. <laughs> but what isn't a downer is this show. This show is, man, I'm glad this, sh- uh, just thinking about January of 2020 and how hopeful it was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and how that turned out.
0: Yeah. Atherkin but... was
2: so good. 2020 went, uh uh-uh. uh. Nope, nope. You're too happy. You're too happy. How can I <laughs> screw this up?
0: <laughs> uh... I need
2: to do something. Plague. Plague. Sorry, you are too happy. You have a plague now. So,
0: yeah. Makasaki it. he has a studio. He does all his stuff with. as of late. Science Saru, they animate stuff real good. And I really feel that this show is almost like... Even though it's based off a manga, it really does feel like this is Sidesar putting stamp on, yep, this is how we roll. This is it. Yeah.
2: At least it meshes well with how they roll.
1: (laughs) I had not realized it was based on a manga, and I just figured this was like a bunch of animators writing a show about animation, you know?
2: I think it was more, a bunch of animators found a cool manga about animation and was like, we we need to draw that. We like, we need to make this move guys.
0: (laughs) If memory serves someone, I think even tweeted at Masaki Iwasa and said, Hey, this would be really good for you to do. And he saw it and was like, yeah, dog, this is be really good idea for me to do. We're going to do this. (laughs) And just as very things like, for example, the opening, which was done by the group Kelmico with the song Easy Breezy. Also, Kelmico are two awesome ladies who met at McDonald's, then became awesome rap folks, <laughs> as inspired by Rip Slime. So, hell yeah! You go, Kelmico! You go!
2: And just, you know, slide aside the easy breezy official music video I actually found pretty amusing and I don't generally like Japanese music videos.
0: But I love the fact that they actually had um, somewhere on Crunchyroll, maybe it's on their YouTube page, but they actually had a a video since they're, I think, owned by AT&T now and they actually get budget to probably make these sort of things. They actually hung out with Science Sorrow and they showed them what they did to make the opening animation where they showed like like, the dollar store, like, flashy paper. They were like, what if we put this to the camera and wave it around to make cool backgrounds? Let's animate on top of that. That sounds fun. Spoilers, <laughs> it's hell of a fun. Yeah. That feels like
2: something a few kids in high school trying to go, hey, how do we make animation work, might
0: try. <laughs> right? Right? Oh. oh, this show is so good. Also, the music's done by Oritachi, which I'd also discovered, they have a band camp. You should go and buy some music. They're all jams. They started doing the uh, performing and the recording and all stuff in 1999. They established, I guess it's a guy, his own form of drifting folklore music, combining elements of electronic sounds, folk, pop, and with an inverted language, he has toured both domestically and internationally. Yeah, man. Drifting folklore music describes the music of this show perfectly. <laughs> like, like the, the, wow, wow. whenever they start going into their, their imaginational vision or whatever you want to call it. ah, yeah. uh, it is good, good stuff. So, okay. So let's keep your hands off ASIC in. What's Asa? you ask? That's a good question. We didn't know at first. I, I remember talking with Kevin before the show aired and we were like, it says Uwasa, so we know this is going to be good, but we don't know what this actually is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, you didn't know what the word meant or, or what the show was?
0: Both Either. yeah.
2: Although, I have a bit of a, oh, I should have put that together, but, you know, I didn't actually see it spelled out in kanji. <laughs>
1: Okay, I came in late to the show, so like I I knew what it was by the time I watched it. That was why I specifically sat down and watched it.
0: It was I, I,
2: I saw somebody tweeting about, oh shit, dog! They remember they remember uh, Future Boy Conan, like shortly before I actually watched the episode. But <laughs> other than that, I had no real clue what I was getting into.
0: It was very similar to before Yuri and Ice came out. Kevin and I were very immediately hyped based off the staff of who was doing it, but we weren't quite sure what the word "Yuri" was going to entail. Whether I was
2: simultaneously disappointed. Yet, in retrospect, no, that was fine.
0: (laughs) It's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. It was great. But Asakin is film club.
2: Yeah, where like. Anime's totally film.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, sometimes, Kevin, in life, you have to be thieves. Yeah. As a wise man named Nika once said, sometimes you have to be a thief. (laughs) So. uh,
2: It's a fun show. It's, uh, you've got the two sort of Oddball friends who make a new friend,
0: and then stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, that that that's definitely way one could describe it. So we uh, our main character is Midori Asakusa, uh,
2: an adorable little froggy-faced
0: gremlin girl. <laughs> well, they're all essentially adorable gremlin girls, but Midori is extra so. But
2: she's the, the <laughs> she's the tiny gremlin. She's the
0: tiny gremlin. Who, growing up, totally watched some Future Boy Conan, which apparently, I haven't read it yet. By the way, this is based off a manga. There's currently five volumes. It's a seinen manga published by Shugaku Khan in the magazine Monthly Big Comic Spirits. And sometime in November, it will start getting released in the United States, by Dark Horse. I have totally pre-ordered it. I don't know how much Dark Horse has actually talked about this, because... Probably not at all. <laughs> that's Dark Horse. I still remember us talking to Carl Horn. He's like, wait, so we're not really talking about our manga? And I'm like, man, no one knows anything what Dark Horse is doing, ever. So, Dark I am Horse telling you... The... Dark Horse is the only people
2: who publish manga I know of who, like, sees who can literally be putting out the manga of a super popular anime, and no one will be aware of it.
0: So, I'm telling you right now, Dark Horse is releasing this in November. So, the two things you need to do in November. Vote. Buy Aizaken. Keep your hands off Aizaken, but get your hands on On the Aizaken manga.
1: Get your hands on, keep your hands off Aizaken.
0: That's right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yes, but in the manga, it's not Future Boy Conan, which I thought was very, very interesting. Our uh, friend of the show, Rick, back in March, again the last time I saw y'all before everything went wrong in life with the whole you know pandemic and all, he had we were talking about Azakin and he was like, "Man, I was surprised that it's not Future Boy Conan in, in the manga. It's just so, sort of a thing." And I, that was, man, I, that really, it brings me back to my early teens, back when Kevin and I, and well, ostensibly Dylan, I would assume, was in high school, and my, I was visiting my family in Seymour, Missouri, and my uncle goes, you you like those, the Japanese cartoons, the anime stuff, right? I went, Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. So it's like, well, I've got one. I've got one tape. Because this is back when VHS was the thing. So just in case you weren't sure, if we were wonderfully horribly crotchety old men, we are. And he loads me this VHS tape, and this movie blew my ever loving mind. Y'all, you should totally watch it. Grab it on VHS. It's called Warriors of the Wind. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I weirdly had a very similar experience
0: with my uncle David visiting him in Auburn. Uh, but uh in case people don't realize that was a was that a was that a Masic joint? I forget. I, I think so. At least it very certainly had a lot of the same
2: voice actors that typically show up in the like Harmony Gold streamline stuff.
0: Warriors of the wind is certainly a take on a dubbed adaption of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Yeah. By, I mean, you know, a lot is chip. cut out.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So the so translation is highly questionable. The acting is also highly questionable. But you're getting exposed to, you know, fabulous and detailed animation that, at least at that time in our lives, we hadn't seen much anything like <laughs>
0: I should also point out, you know, double checking us, it was not it was Mesa International and Showman Incorporated. Ah. Watching that, and that was honestly my first actual Miyazaki Ghibli, frankly, at some of their best. Even this weird, hacked up version of this movie was still absolutely mind-breaking and mind-opening in the best of possible ways. Back when Miyazaki was, as he was coming up, things like freaking Nausicaa and Porco Rosso and... Kevin, help me out here.
2: Good stuff. Uh, Kiki's Livery service, uh, Totoro. Uh, although my favorites are like Nausicaa and Porco Rosso. You already hit my two actual favorites.
0: Oh, my brain is blanking on the Laputa.
2: Oh, yeah, Castle in the... Well, Castle in the Sky is what you find it under these
0: days. Right, yes, yes. Just, uh, I... I absolutely... adore those... that part, that, that, that time frame of the Miyazaki Ghibli, you know, era of animation, and just... kind of like...
2: Well, yeah, it, it's not like they're exactly the same settings, but they're sort of a
0: a retro future kind of vibe to them. And even things like the Wings of oniamis, Yeah. Yeah. Where they are really, really thinking through everything. Yeah. Where every little bit of neat technology or animals felt like everything was super, like, thought through. And yeah. how Someone would this put in interact?
2: A ridiculous amount of thought into, like back-tracing technological development of this setting. So everything nestled into each other logically.
0: (laughs) And that is the stuff Midori lives for. Yeah. That is absolutely what her jam is. And that's what she wants to do. Anime for her is all about the setting, and she keeps doing all these crazy designs based off things that she sees in this town. Which this town is also wild. It kind of is. <laughs> I, I don't know how much this town is based off I of like a real place or not. But it's all super interesting looking. It is weirdly built and grown up over the times of this world's existence. Everything is sort of like with canals here and there. And things don't quite lock in like they're quite supposed to. But it yet it works somehow anyways. It is just super inspiring to look at and is just the perfect place for Midori to riff on.
1: Yeah. In fact later on in the series they get into the setting and uh like start exploring for inspiration. And yeah, like it does a really good job of making you making this feel like a, a real place that they're exploring and that's kind of different, kind of weird.
0: But Midori is not the, not the entire show made. No, there are two other people that are very important for the Eizekun to exist. And the second person we're we'll talk about is Sayaka Kanamori. Kevin, take it away. <laughs> oh,
2: She is literally my wallpaper. She is literally (laughs) my wallpaper. Um, (laughs) She's she's the tall, angry gremlin. (laughs) She is not really a fan of anime. She doesn't really know much about art. But she thinks there's money in it. And she has the determination and persistence to both wrangle cats in the form of her anime-obsessed friends and actually get things done to put practical use to their desire to make animation. <laughs> All the while, hopefully, getting some kind of profit out of it for herself. <laughs> and She will do whatever she has to to get shit done. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I aspire to Kanamori levels of getting shit done.
1: <laughs> I, it almost... Like, that's almost necessary. Like, that's that's really realistic. Because, you know, especially you come in with Asakusa and you're like, oh, she's the idealist. Yes, that's who I identify with. Kanamori is kind of the cynic. And then you really grow to like her because because she's just a little bit removed from all the creative aspects and and really being into it, she's able to herd cats effectively. She's able to kind of scope everything down and make sure it gets done on time.
2: She will bribe. She will (laughs) blackmail. She will (laughs) track you off into a corner and make you work (laughs) whatever has to be done.
1: (laughs) She will find loopholes with the school administration.
2: Yeah. She will make it so they... That so much buzz with the school's name is attached to it, they won't dare attempt to cancel the project.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, she will like, also use social media and uh, yeah. merchandising.
2: It's like, oh my! It's like I don't know. I, uh, I just okay. We we have commented on kind of the like the character designs are all kind of gremlinish, but just something about how she's very tall and square in her teeth. (laughs) Just, I don't know. It's like, she's so unique looking that it is just like
0: mesmerizing sometimes. (laughs) That is something that's really neat about this show is that, yeah, they, they, they actually, and it's one of the things that I don't think the live action quite gets, because they are, they're doing a live action version of this, but all the girls are being played by idols because of course they are. Yeah. Yeah. My initial reaction
2: was... Two of these three girls are way too conventionally attractive for their, for their characters. Which is to say, like, you can literally probably get me going about Kanamori for hours. Is like, she's... Like, I am... God, if I ever meet a Kanamori-like girl who's remotely close to my own age, like, I will... I I will woo her. I will marry her. That's...
0: <laughs> well, just remember that she does rock the same Credence that the Wu-Tang Clan didn't, in the song Cream, cash rules everything around me. <laughs> dollar dollar bills, y'all.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, she really does get into this, like, I I don't know anything about anime, but I think there's money in this. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. But, all that being said, she really does care about her friends. Like, she's not 100% mercenary. <laughs>
1: yeah there's even there's even a little bit of backstory where they talk about how she gets to that point like how she learns some of this and it's not like it's not all her just being this ruthless businessman it's it's kind of her trying to actually trying to help people
2: yeah profiting life, from it but also she has life experience that kind of informs her attitudes yeah (laughs) and yeah ultimately she is trying to help them be successful animators and she wants to make a few bucks on the side but she's trying she's she wants them to succeed that is i think her genuine real goal (laughs)
1: you you get more of the cash obsession than you do the genuine moments of like emotional attachment but they are there other times she's like there's a scene where they're they're praying or, or making wishes or something. I, I don't know. It's probably something cultural that I, I have no clue about. And she's like, please bring, she's talking to the money. It's like, please bring more of your brothers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. ah. But we have a trio here, ostensibly a trio because, you know, Asakusa and Katamori They have been friends for at least for a minute. You know, they are definitely... I think they met in middle school, and now they're freshmen in high school. And they've known each other for a little bit. And... Midori is taking Sayaka, or Kanamori, dragging her to the anime club with, you know, the the sweet, sultry promises of milk. Because she wants to see the... wants to go watch some anime. And that's when they meet... Tsubame Mizusaki who you think is just this really pretty future actress idol kind of lady where she's all pretty and everyone wants her autograph but unbeknownst to them she is just a much as much of a raging animation otaku as Midori yeah except you know where Midori's more of a
2: setting and background person uh uh, Subaba is kind. Of, she she's good with people. She's good with the character design and how people move.
0: <laughs> well, and just how things things move, how things. Yeah. She's really interested in the actual act of animation itself. Even though her her parents want her to be a actor, <laughs> like in yeah. real live action.
1: <laughs> Which is a really weird plot twist because I think in the first episode things escalate really quickly. And I didn't really expect this that to happen in this. I I didn't expect it to be that type of anime, but then they kind of like Peter off and, and you go, you go into more about like the animation and what makes her tick other, as opposed to just following or just trying to avoid her parents finding out.
0: So hijinks and Sue and these three girls Form what they call the Azakin or film club because what they really want to do is they want to make anime, but there's already an anime club that's Who about watching just anime, watches anime yeah.
2: like most anime clubs.
0: <laughs> but, uh... but because there's already an anime club, they had to think of something else, so they call themselves the Azakin. so that way they have a chance to actually make anime, and so the actual show this anime is about this club making anime and the trials and tribulations. They bet a three person team only two, which can actually animate has a deal with, you know, making their own stuff while in high school when the high school honestly couldn't care less and kind of wishes they weren't even there. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of yeah, actively yeah.
1: to some extent, they're actively trying to stop them yeah, like, Kanamori kind of treats every victory as temporary. Like, oh, I just dealt with them for a little while. They'll be back to shut us down.
2: If they gradually eke out more production space and beg, borrow, steal, and if necessary, buy their supplies.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that is one interesting thing. Like, we, you said earlier that only two of them really have the ability to animate, but... You see a lot of Kanamori like filling in the gaps, doing the legwork that needs to be done to actually make this happen. Like if, if if this were really happening, you would have to have someone in that role to just handle all the stuff that no one else wants to do or, or that doesn't specifically deal with animation and, and art.
0: No, she essentially, much like how Midori and uh Mizasaki they both have to deal with the whole animation stuff. Kanamori, she is both serving as both producer, but also essentially production assistant at the same time. Yeah, Like she is definitely handling all of the not actively involved in animation, getting animation done roles, but much, but as a counterpoint to Shirabaka, which is very much more of a, here is a sort of a exaggerated, but you know, inspired by a real life portrayal on how the sausage gets made. This is much more of an idealized magical realism take on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, Like you don't have a team of specialists and every little piece
0: about once an episode,
2: you have an extended sequence where they sort of wander into their own heads of what they're creating and you get to walk around in it.
1: (laughs) Oh man. That that's what sold me on this show. When they did that first scene, like it it goes into that sketchy art style that Asakusa uses, and it's not quite like watching like a Miyazaki anime or something, but it's it's that sort of fantastical feeling, yeah, um, that you don't get from just hey, you you wouldn't think exists for a show about hey, here's a couple of girls in high school that make anime. Right, yeah. and the... I
2: I love how they kind of are making their own sound
0: effects as it goes.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: That's... I think
0: it was also the fact that Mizusaki and Asakusa they both share in it. It's not just you know Asakusa's you know brain just going hog wild in, in, in imagination. Somehow, Mizusaki joins in. They're Both feeling it together, like they're totally in on each other's vibe. There too, even she
2: gets caught up in it, which is part of my feeling of there's a little bit deeper than just I want to make money. Is my first clue. (laughs) She gets sucked into it too, to an extent.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of yes, anding, yeah, improv, and actually, there actually is a moment later on where they meet. They're they're out exploring and they meet a another student at the school. And Kanamori and her start to talking business and you've got Asakusa and Mizusaki. And I think the head of the audio club just kind of screwing around in the river and the other two look at them and go like, Oh wow, they really are off in their own little world. Yeah. And you see it from the outside.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, this show is, is, is very, very good. And uh, like, I, I, I guess we need to get into spoilers, but I I really feel that the act of watching this show, like, even if we try to spoil things, it won't matter. Like, the act of watching them do this stuff and seeing the animation they actually do come up with, because what is really unique about this particular show is that you have the animation of them animating the show itself. You have the, the, the crazy, you know, imagination mindscape. Stuff, But then they also show you what they actually animated. And they all are, each in their own ways, are very unique art styles. So essentially, you're getting three entirely different art styles in one show, which is already amazing. But just watching these three gals, four gals and beyond, also the Robot Club... Yeah. yeah. Um, just the wacky hijinks they get up to and how they finally get through things. Also, things like, for example, while Asakusa really loves coming up with the setting because there's just the three of them, she also now has to become the director. She has to figure out what they're actually doing, what is the thing they're actually creating, and how, how do those things connect. And that requires a lot of growth on her part to realize that she can't just come up with random things and hopefully someone out there will fit it all together. No, she has to do that too.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a couple of scenes where she will go off on this weird tangent that would be an interesting story in itself, but doesn't actually progress the work they're doing. And she kind of has to get reined back in and focus, which is, is like I said, that that's really realistic. If you're doing any sort of creative work like that, where um, <coughs> sometimes you have to have to kind of like shut certain things down to, to make progress. Um, there were actually, there are actually some other good moments like that, where like with, Uh, the robotics club and and teaming up to make that the video that they make for them and working with I think there's an art club that they work with for some backgrounds and the auto club there's a lot of deal making and kind of negotiation and it's really interesting sometimes it lines up really well sometimes it doesn't but it it feels really realistic if, if you're doing any sort of project like that.
0: Yeah, for a show that's so out there in the realms of imagination and so interesting. It's yet still somehow, somehow down to earth and, yeah. and the the, and the core themes that they're exploring and expressing.
1: Yeah, actually. And the other thing I like that, again, is very realistic. I think the first video they do, once they do the showing of it, like everyone's blown away. And they're sitting up on the stage going, you know, we could have done that better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was, that felt real. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a break and we're going to come back with spoilers and also questions. So keep those hands off Asikin, because we're going to be right back. This is The Awesome Cast. (laughs) All right, folks, we're here back talking about keep your hands Off as a Ken Spoilers. So what was one of your favorite moments of the show in general? But also in specific, because you can get into spoilers now. Energy weapons don't have to have visible beams. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Actually, Actually honestly, you...
2: just her going off into a whole rant about how, you know, just... One example of one of many moments where she goes off on her little tangents, but for some reason, the one about how beam weapons, even logically, you probably shouldn't have visible beams anyways, but, you know, it doesn't even have to be a laser. It could be all sorts of things. Like that whole thing is just like, I really, there's a level of sci-fi nerd that this was like, yes.
1: (laughs) But that's also really good because it has that creative aspect of like, okay, what tools do we have to convey this experience or this feeling Right and they can't draw it now, so they have to animate some of the 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 things around it. Yeah, they have how to the use sound.
2: How the projector moves, the sound of it powering up and turning on, and the the visible the effect being clear and visible, even if there is no beam. You know, it's it actually makes it harder <laughs> to animate, but. It could conceivably have a bigger impact visually, if done properly. Yeah.
1: I, and that's also really interesting, because in some cases like that, these are these are people focused on animation, and they have to go, oh, right, we also have sound. How do yeah. we want to use
0: that? Yeah, I really, really like the the audio side of things. Oh, who would have thought the podcast likes the audio side? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they go find their whole...
2: Their, their... They actually go have to go find an audio person. <laughs> you know, like there's an actual audio club that's got like one whole person in it, and they recruit her to do their soundtrack, basically. Yeah, uh, Parker Domicki. Uh, well, yeah, and sound effects.
0: Yeah, Parker Domicki. Uh, she was. That was the whole. That was actually my one of my favorite moments was when they met her, and seeing all these sound files and realizing that sometimes you just got to go find more sounds and record more sounds, and I'm like, yes, yes, sometimes you need more sounds, that's right, Uh, oh my gosh, and also, Katamori's, aha, we're roping you in, because with us helping you, you'll actually be able to keep all your sounds. Yeah. So let's get into some questions, shall we? We Yeah, to be fair, there's not much to spoil about this show. (laughs) There's, well, it's also, what, 12, 13 episodes? Like the show isn't terribly it, long, which is, you know, great if you just want to start watching it. It's not a huge time investment, and every minute's worth it. It's also easy
1: to kind of binge in pieces, because there are really, like, three or four main arcs dealing with each of the animations that they do.
0: It is true. But speaking of animation, Jennifer on Twitter, at Crystal underscore Shiva asks, how has this series changed? How you view animation. Uh I'm not sure if it changed how I view animation,
2: but boy, it it really reminded me of the wonder of like
0: seeing really good animation for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same, actually. And again, it really reminded me of oh, that first time I I saw you know Nausicaa, even this in this butchered form, and just how much it really open my eyes and I'm like does anime even do that anymore like I'm trying to think about even the Miyazaki and I'm thinking about the wind rises and it just did not it just did not do anything for me at all although I will say that this year also had decadence and I don't know how well I need to I need to catch up on it don't know if it n- makes the landing pretty solid. Pretty solid. Well, that's good because the first the first part of the episode of the first episode, I'm like, alright, they're really thinking things through. This is really interesting. I really like this crazy, like, giant robot they've kinda built. And then the second episode gets and go, Oh my gosh, they really thought some things through. Yeah. I was not thinking they were gonna think like this. This is I, some different thinking. I do feel that people who worked
2: on decadence definitely like Nausica. <laughs> you'll probably immediately figure out what episode that is if you haven't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so shows still do it. It's not all just Isekai riffing on JRPGs, which is already more or less ripping off Castle in the Sky. Yeah. but, Man, but that... They have their place, but at this stage of the game, you gotta do
2: something really interesting with the idea to even move my needle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think how it changed my view of animation like I, I think of like the scene where they're drawing the windmill or they're animating the windmill and they go th- through so many iterations adding little bits and pieces that as someone who is not an animator, I would never notice but I'm sure someone who has the experience like can p- pick everything apart and see what they're doing. Um, just just that level of detail and the, um, like I said, the example I, I mentioned earlier where they have to think about how they want to use sound and what they can convey in one medium that they can't in another and just like all the little behind the scenes choices that, that uh, you're making that someone watching it would never pick up on unless they were experienced in it.
0: Charlie at the underscore A asks, Yeah, how? Okay, of course, he did. Well, Charlie, in this show, there are very good moments, and some moments really resonated <laughs> with Kevin and myself, which made us really appreciate how we view animation. That's yeah. how, that's how, yeah. Also, Dylan had his thing. Did you listen <laughs> to Dylan? You better have, Charlie. <laughs> Tobias at Reverend underscore Tobias asks, "What was your favorite gag from the show?" I'm going first. Katamori, social media's bad. <laughs> oh yeah, there's nothing fun about social media. I was like, "Dang, Katamori, you got this."
2: Oh, I can't remember the line about mecha anime being a crime exactly now, but that's <laughs> that one was good for me. Although, I would say my favorite gag is also kind of more related, but her literally sawing a lock off a door to get the guys who are going to turn the the master into an actual like DVDs. <laughs> because they're trying to shut down, and she's like, uh-uh, you're going to do this. And she literally saws the lock off their door to get in. And it's just very slasher movie and how she's shot.
1: I... <laughs> hey. I think the thing that... The one thing I have in my notes, probably because I related to it, when Kanamori is trying to get Asakusa and Mizusaki to focus, and they're like, Oh, hey, there's a raccoon! Like, yep. (laughs) Oh, hey, there's a butterfly! (laughs) Yep.
0: I also really like the moment where Mizusaki really, really bonded with the robot guy about, (laughs) like being able to do Street Fighter moves, and why can't we just do Street Fighter moves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the show has a lot of really good bits. <laughs> it has a lot of really
2: good bits. They kind of deliberately slash accidentally create a whole viral marketing campaign for their mecha anime just because people are trying to shut them down and just the chase through the school festival like drums up a lot of
0: <laughs> advertisement. <laughs> Is pretty fun. <laughs> and the real reason why the school, the school keeps wanting to shut them down is because they're so not what they normally deal with in the school. They're like, they're just at the boundaries of what's allowed that they technically should exist but they're too annoying to exist. And how do the girls figure out how to weasel around them, especially Kanamori? It's, ah, it is it is good stuff. You fit in the square holes but you're still round pegs. <laughs> yeah. Tobias's next question of is which of the Aziken's three projects did you personally like the most?
2: Oh. I I feel like I got to say the Mecha one just because like I'm like man, I want to see Science just do a straight up mecha anime now. <laughs> I don't
1: I don't know that any of the three projects would be something that if it existed, I'd be like really pumped to like, Oh yeah, I got to watch that. That's a genre I love. I probably like the, the UFO wars mm-hmm. one the best just because of like some of the designs of, of the mechanics of, of like the messaging relics or whatever. And all the work that goes into researching this and making it look like the area and, and all the callbacks I thought were really neat.
0: I, I think the second one the mecha one was overall the best. I like the UFO Wars a lot but that was the one where I felt that they kind of went to they, they, they reached and they didn't quite grasp what they were really going for. It, it took them more the first two shows or first two animations you could just watch it and figure it out without too much needed extra information to tell you what's going on. Whereas the third one, they couldn't quite pull that off. It was actually a little bit too high-minded. Yeah. Though it was very cool. And I liked where they got there.
1: Well, I think the, the problem with the last one was there was like a communication failure between the person that was doing the music and it ends up looking... I want to say nothing like the plan, but it ends up going off script and it's not what they're intending.
2: Yeah, I I I do like how it shows them having to think on their feet and compromising to make work with what they have as best they can. And I I do think that kind of was the point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the I I love the the moment where Kanamori's on the phone with the DVD company and comes back and like, hey, you know, we 're doing this for real. we can't just hide behind you know just students because you know this dVD company is affected by what we do here, yeah, like they have constraints that you know we have to abide by
0: no and it was a very, very good example on how do you salvage something when it goes yeah. completely wrong and it was an overall very good salvage operation and probably still made what they were animating better in the end.
1: Cause Asakusa has this moment where she's like, Oh, actually the original ending that we planned for this would never happen in real life. Let's actually think about this alternate storyline, how, you know, how it would really happen.
0: So speaking of the girls, Obligatory best girl slash favorite character question that you'll inevitably answer in the episode anyway. Kevin yeah. I mean I uh I uh simp,
2: as the kids say these days, pretty hard for Kanamori. Uh that's uh she is definitely my favorite girl. Which is she may even be radically philosophically opposed to my world in view view in some ways, yet here I am. I, I am very much here for Kanamori. And all that she does, and her weird square teeth, and glasses on her forehead.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I remember watching it and having that thought of like, why would you wear your glasses there all the time? What good are they doing there?
2: Uh, someone suggested she might actually—I saw a suggestion that she might actually be farsighted, which is kind of rare for a young person, but still, that you know, she's probably fine at medium to close distance, and maybe just needs it to. See at a distance, but I'm not sure the show really
0: supports that. <laughs> Dylan, who is your favorite character?
1: Uh, probably also Kanamori, because again, like that's that's me. That's the audience <laughs> insert here, except I, without like the cynical money motive and more the hey, I just want to see you do the thing that you want to
0: do. Yeah, that tracks. Like similarly, I would definitely say the the character that I most Feel like I represents you know. My ideal would be probably Asakusa, Midori Asakusa. Like I'm definitely, I I love thinking up like general big neat ideas, things working together and whatnot. Of course, again, also Domeki with the whole audio thing is you know. Uh, growing up, I was definitely Asakusa, but nowadays I do feel more. Domeki oriented although I guess it's really more Anna's since she's the one that actually edits this and has to deal with us making sound good but in reality I'm probably actually Mr. Fujimoto he is their (laughs) advisor consultant that I give really really esoteric and not always exactly actual advice but somehow it works I
1: feel like it's weird. Like, I can't imagine anyone identifying with Mizusaki just because she's a model and and actor. But she does have an interesting backstory as as to how, like, the things her parents want her to do, like be a model, be an actor, directly leads into her study of animation. And
2: I do like her interest slash fixation on how things move how actions like the mechanics of
0: how normal everyday actions are performed (laughs) and I I absolutely think some people especially that I think a lot of folks can really really relate to how does animation actually work what is it like to express movement the things that actually you know for example, I have several artist friends, one who even he may podcast with us on the regs, you know, is all about making sure a character moves correctly at the right at the right point and how does that actually play out? Like no, that's totally something I can see folks, you know, being able to, to recognize in themselves.
1: Yeah. But also the fact of like Studying a topic that maybe you're not into, but channeling it through a thing that you are into or a a way you think is, um, that, that felt, again, felt very
0: realistic. And Tobias's last question was, what's one thing about the animation process that you learned? That sometimes when you outsource, you don't always get back exactly what you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's nothing like you want it at all, even remotely. <laughs> yet still qualifies for what you technically asked for. Hey, and man, you somehow have to make it work. <laughs>
1: asking asking those questions, the, the person doing the outsourcing, asking those questions is a skill that you have to learn on top of the actual skill that you're doing. Man, I don't know. I think for me it would be like I said, the windmill scene and, and some of the ways that they solve problems, like, Hey, we're going to add the mask to the character design so that we don't have to do the face animations. And that saves us some time that we can put into the action that we want to focus on. And, um, like I said, like there, there are a couple of times where they bring in the use of sound to convey something that animation alone can't convey.
0: Yeah. No, for me, it was like the case of, Oh, Hey, we can portray this without actually using laser beams. But wait, how do we actually then show people what's going on? Like the laser beams are really good. Easy visual device to show you. Oh, y'all laser beams happen. Boom. How do you do that without the laser beam? And them trying to figure that out was that was, you know, I know Kevin was geeking out on like, yes, finally someone gets it for me. (laughs) I was like, ah, this is something for me to get. Yeah. I I was like, yeah, I do love all the little, all the little problem
2: solving bits of, especially like when you're seeing inside their little imaginary world and they realize, oh, that's a problem with this design. Let's just tweak the design. (laughs)
0: Like, oh yes, this wouldn't work, but we put legs on it. Uh Aha! Solution, legs! Yeah. Which is funny
1: (laughs) because you could, You could still do a show that didn't pay attention to those details, but it wouldn't have the same impact.
0: No, I I definitely feel that this show, as much as anything it is, is about the details and taking that much care and thought and effort into it, you know, will pay off. Yeah. All right, let's take one more break and we'll come back with final thoughts and awesomes out of awesomes because this is The Awesome Cast. folks we're back so final thoughts about keeping your hands off Azakin. well probably should keep your hands off Azakin. but you should watch azokin and read azokin <laughs> it's true i mean you definitely want to keep your hands off Azakin y'all they're high schoolers yeah that's illegal
1: whoo do we <laughs> we went there okay
0: yeah yeah okay
2: I simp in the most paternal way for the, for the little gremlin daughters I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
1: talk to me or my gremlin daughters ever again.
2: <laughs> like, as I grow older, I find myself less crushing on the teenage anime girls. I would hope so. I would enough? hope we all do. Are you getting something good to eat? Are you happy? <laughs> you know, it's like...
1: <laughs>
2: well, I mean, it does a
1: I feel like it almost does a better job of... I'm trying to think how to put this. It, you see yourself in those characters in a way that a lot of the fan service anime that goes for that reaction you're talking about of like, you know, who is best girl? You don't. Or you have a hard time.
2: Yeah. I Even... Oh, I'm blanking on her name. Model girl. Uh, Subame Mizuzaki. She is supposed to be conventionally good-looking, and she is so not drawn to be sexualized in any way.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah, I mean this this show goes out of its way not to do that, but also I think it's not just that she's conventionally good luck looking. It's that she's got parents who are, I think models or actors. Yeah. And like, that's how she gets into all these commercials and stuff is she's got that name recognition or she's got that connection.
2: Somehow the, or maybe because of this, the, the anime that, tried the hardest to not go into like conventional oh this is how you make your characters cute tropes it's like these are the girls i'm remembering most this season
1: (laughs) yeah well there's there's something considering how much it happens there is something refreshing about watching a series that doesn't do that and then you get through it and you're like wait a minute i never saw one instance of you know that trope like I remember doing that with Moribido and like getting through it and go Oh wait, they never like tried to turn her into the waifu. And yeah. like it just it just feels good because you know, the show is about something else. The show is focused on other things. Right.
2: Yeah, it's 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 like I definitely see elements of my personalities in these characters and it makes them more human for me. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I rarely say this about anything, but this show, i it's life-affirming. It is yeah. so well-designed. It's a story so well-told and ultimately so uplifting. If you ever need an, something to watch that will honestly be like the steak dinner for your mind to give you real things to think about and chew on but also uplift you and feel like tomorrow could be a better day. This is that show. And that's interesting
1: because there's nothing really, uh, there's nothing really like sappy about it or it, it doesn't lean into kind of those sort of sorts of cliches. I wouldn't, th- it wouldn't be the thing I would think of when I think of life affirming or uplifting, but it definitely is like, you're
2: right.
0: So, with that said, how many awesomes out of Awesome are we going to give this show?
2: Why to avoid the easy, breezy answer?
1: <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, one Clock Tower Bell out of Awesome because, again, I love all the exploring and I love how that mixes into the fantasy elements.
0: D- that was going to be Dylan? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Dylan? Oh, no. <laughs> I I am
1: happy that we came up with the same
0: thing there. I'll have to give it an unused overpass, because (laughs) for some reason, this place sort of flooded but sort of didn't, and this overpass is no longer being used. But now the kids can just sort of walk through it without a care in the world, and it's fine. Oh, and there's this other, like, hammock or something out there? that people can use if you can get to it, but you can't, oh well, out of awesome.
1: <laughs> was that the first they interesting were... interesting
0: town, it really is.
1: <laughs> was that when they were going up around the mountain and all that?
0: Yeah, well, they were trying to find the clock tower, or, you know, yeah. th- that was across the way. Oh, but, yeah. but for me, it was really, like, the moment where, like, the se- the the, uh, the clock tower had its sound, and then Asakusa heard it, and that's when everything sort of connected in her brain, and it was just like, ah, this is how everything should work. That moment, out of Awesome. One
2: non-magical, real animal Tanuki appearance out of Awesome.
0: (laughs) All right, folks. Thank you all for listening to The Awesome Cast, and thanks to my pals Kevin and Dylan for chatting with me on The Awesome Cast about this show that you can watch on Crunchyroll, and you can also read the manga from Dark Horse and November that you should totally buy, especially after you vote. That should be your reward to yourself. You know what? I voted. Let's go Biden. <laughs> Maybe you will not be a complete sack of shit. That'd be great. I'm going to go buy some manga for myself. Vote for not a complete sack of shit 2020. <laughs> <sighs> so this has been the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. It is edited by the most wonderful editor in the world, my love of my life, my wife, Anna. You can find her at Angel Darkfire, but there's no A in the middle of it on Twitter. You can find myself on Twitter at It's Basal Time. You can find Kevin at Twitless underscore Kevin. You can find Dylan on Twitter at, at DylanWolf. You can find the AwesomeCast on Twitter at AwesomeCast or go to our website, AwesomeGuest.com. There's all sorts of places that you can click on to actually start throwing our podcast into the podcaster of your ch- pod catcher of your choice if you happen to listen to us on Apple please give us five stars it would be so useful tell a friend if you use Spotify follow us on Spotify you don't have to listen to us on Spotify as we are not actually a Spotify original despite what someone might have told you at the beginning of this show but you can That's follow us, wild listen to us there anyways.
2: Were made. I wonder who did that <laughs> I
0: don't know some jerk some idiot I don't know <laughs> Our theme song is done by DJ Inabito, and you can find him on Twitter at I think it's DJ underscore Inabito. You can find him on Twitch doing all sorts of Twitch things um at twitch.com slash inabito. Our good pal John also of the under the awesome cats banner with his buddy Mike. They do These Are Video Games, and you can find that on Twitch at TheseR VG. I think Dylan sometimes moonlights over there helping them play some of the multiplayer games. Yep. And if there's anything I have forgotten, I apologize. You should totally go out, be amazing, and go vote!「
1: ずっと
0: Yeah, yeah, here's a stinger for you, folks. I wasn't kidding. Buy the manga from Dark Horse and go vote.